0: if you can talk about your mass surveillance report. Yeah, absolutely. So from the moment COP28 participants landed in Dubai, they were subject to intense mass surveillance from the Emirati government. So in Dubai alone, there are 300,000 cameras around in public spaces. As well, where we are in Dubai Expo City, there are thousands of cameras conducting mass surveillance. In addition to mass surveillance, the the UAE government has been documented using targeted digital surveillance. So for example, Ahmed Mansour, who we just spoke about, he was an early um, recipient of NSO's notorious spyware, um, Pegasus spyware. And the WhatsApp messages that were used to incriminate him in his case, which, with organizations such as human rights watch were taken from his phone through the use of pegasus
1: and what are
0: people doing about this i know at the airport we were handed back with our passports a uh, 5g sim card yeah i hope you didn't we put are that tuned sim card in to
2: kboo portland on 90.7 fm and streaming on the web at kboo.fm KABU
0: Community Radio holds open meetings concerning the operations of programming of KABU in accordance with requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about KABU Community Radio's open meeting policy is available at our website at kbu.fm. The Program Advisory Committee meets quarterly on the first Tuesday of March, June, September, and December at 6 p.m. This month's meeting will be held online through a public video conference. A public link and phone number to attend the meeting can be found on our website at kboo.fm. Please visit our website to verify if a meeting is being held.
2: From applicant tracking systems to chatbots to facial recognition, artificial intelligence is transforming our world for the better and also for the worse. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. for The Imaginary Possible, a show that looks at the captivating potentials and the troubling realities of artificial intelligence today. Only on KBOO Community Radio, KBOO 90.7 FM in Portland.
3: Rise them up, KBOO 90.7. You don't know your girl Tasha T. Good morning. You are listening to More Talk Radio on your community radio station, KBOO. 90.7 in Portland, 91.9 in the Gorge Hood River, 104.3 in the Valley Corvallis area, and via the World Wide Web, it is KBOO.fm. Today, we are broadcasting on today, the 4th of December. 2023 and I am Cecil Prescott and I welcome you as a participant as part of this community Uh, let's all breathe in and breathe out Uh, breathe in and breathe out Um, please pardon us for the you know, somewhat abrupt interruption of democracy. Now, today, if you were listening um, this morning, you are probably aware we had some some challenges, difficulties with this satellite, or uh, something that's way above my pay grade. But uh, we apologize and hope that uh, you, if you want to hear democracy now, um, return to Kebu at four p.m. and you can hear the complete program at that time. Again, today is the 4th of December, and I am Cecil Prescott. I am um, flying solo today. Celeste Carey is unable to join us um, today, but you are here, and I appreciate your, your presence. Today in history, so, you know, I have this odd, strange, quirk interest in... S- certain facts come to my mind occasionally, and one of those things is sometimes I have a a gift, maybe for remembering dates. So uh, this I did not know. I had to look it up. Actually, um, yesterday, December third, in eighteen forty-seven, uh, Frederick Douglass started publishing the North Star, his abolitionist um, newspaper, and it was instrumental in gaining attention and organizing um, communities against the exploitation of people um, and for the abolition of slavery. So uh, yesterday, um, in 1847, Um, Frederick Douglass started publishing The North Star, which is a reminder that each one of us, wherever we are, can have an influence in our community, and who knows how it may um, play out, the results of it. So uh, be dedicated and persistent, always knowing that you can make a change. Uh, More closely, uh, today, December 4th, 1969, for those of you who are are older, but also for those of you who are um, interested in in history, today on December 4th, 1969, the revolutionary Black Panther leader Fred Hampton was assassinated in Chicago. He was 21 years old at the time of his assassination by the Chicago police. Uh, He was a tremendous organizer um, Abel began as a organizer um, for the NAACP, as a youth organizer, um, later became the, the chair of the Black Panther Party in, in Chicago, which at that time was one of the cities um, that had a strong um, chapter of the Black Panther. And also what uh, many of us often forget, Fred Hampton, also, was one who was interested in organizing um, communities across the all over. So, whether you were white or, or Latino, um, he and his comrades were interested in organizing communities. So, one of the, the thing he organized was something at that time was called the Rainbow Coalition, where. Um, 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 leaders um, from various ethnic communities organized together. And uh, some of you realize that that notion, the Rainbow Coalition, was picked up later in Chicago, as a matter of fact, um, by Jesse Jackson. That led to um, um, Jesse Jackson, um, (laughs) 1984 presidential campaign and 1988 campaign, um, which was instrumental in bringing together a broad spectrum of peoples and community. Um, So we are thankful for people such as Fred Hampton, who said, you can jail a revolutionary, but you can't jail a revolution. Thank you, Fred Hampton. And also the legacy of the Black Panther Party um, that we often don't think about. Um, we might remember the the pictures of the Black Panther parties in the state capitol in California um, with their arms, um, because at that time, um, California permitted um, open carry of, of weapons. And so in the Revolutionary Acts in the mid um, to the late 60s, um, the Black Panther Party, Hugh Newton, um, Bobby sealed and and others um, raised the the concerns of the challenges that uh, urban um, people were encountering and the need um, to organize community but the legacy of the black panther was not just you know um, people and you know it went way back when i was you know, wanted to be a Black Panther in part because as a youth kid, because they were like, you know, tough and took were able to to stand up. Um, but part of the legacy was more than their their their, their leather jackets, uh, but but also the things such as a free breakfast program, which we take for granted these days in terms of um, schools um, providing. Um, breakfast and lunch Um, 50 years ago that was not something that existed um, in in the United States and that it's hard to remember that there was a time when children went to school as they currently do um, went to school hungry But now they have the opportunity to to have breakfast in schools, and that was something, a legacy of the Black Panthers. Um, Also health clinics, Um, they were instrumental in raising awareness in the late 60s and early 70s of sickle cell and testing for sickle cell. Um, They were responsible for um, helping uh, the creation of legal aid clinics in in universities. so, the legacy of the Black Panthers are uh, instrumental. And for those of you who are local here in Oregon, there's a rich history. and you might might be familiar with some of the work that um, people um, have done in terms of documenting the history of Black Panther Party in in Oregon and in Portland in particular. Um, you can go to the Vanport Mosaic. Um, for an archival film about the local Black Panther Party. Um, Kent Ford, who was an organizer with the Black Panther Party, uh, continues to, uh, to this day, um, lead um, tours of of the areas in in north and northeast Portland um, and continue to have an impact on others. So said all of this just to remember uh, December 4th. Um, Fred Hampton assassination you are listening to more talk radio I'm Cecil Prescott our numbers here are 503-231-8187 I have more to say but you're probably tired of of hearing me so let's go to a caller and let's go to Santiago good morning good
4: Morning, Cecil. Um, I think it's really important to remember, and I, I there was a break in between when I called in and when I was listening to you. I don't know if you mentioned it, but the other part of the other part of the Black Panther legacy that needs to be remembered when we talk about Fred Hampton, um, you know um, Huey Newton, any of those cats, the thing we have to remember is what drove them, which is uh, socialism. You know their their analysis of the situation that allowed them to create. That allowed them, that they gave them the tools to create the resources that they did was their clear understanding of the circumstances. You know, the the when people talk about the Rainbow Coalition, you know, a lot of the uh, the um, the liberalization of the revolutionary movements will have you believe that they were sim- that they were simple um, orators who simply brought people together with uh, with strong words and beliefs, which is kind of part of it. But the other part of it is understanding that you know that as socialists and communists, we understand that unlike the, the liberal side of the media, they they don't tell you who they, they they lead by fear rather than by rather than by community. You know, they they help you the the analysis help to understand that the poor that the poor white man has the same plight as the poor black man, even though the. Even though the power dynamics they didn't that none of us asked for are in play, it doesn't stop the uh, it doesn't stop them from being dehumanized by the same system which grants them privileges.
3: Yes, yes. And,
4: and I think that whenever we talk about that, if we're going to really truly honor, we're going to really truly honor the the memory of that. We need to keep their we need to keep their um, understanding of socialism alive. I mean, these were cats who went to go visit who went to go visit China during Mao's time as the, mm-hmm. as the leader during the cultural revolution and learned so much from what they were doing at a time and still a time now where we are living in fear of China where we and at the same time living in fear of the USSR and how a lot of people don't really how a lot of what we understand as being Americans is, we think that being American is inherently capitalist, but in fact, it is not. Capitalism is just how you organize an economy.
3: Let and me supposed- let me add um, something and and just to emphasize a point you made in terms of their their critical um, um, role that they. They by lifting up um, socialism, um, it was very clear that um, they, as you suggested, in terms of their analysis of society as well as the solutions they offer, they were committed socialists. And you know, it's amazing for for me to look back at some of those archival films and people like Fred Hampton were very very young, but had, as you suggested, a clear. Um, Economic and and sociological analysis of society and offered a clear alternative. And there was such a demand, you know. I I mentioned, you know, when I was young, I was infatuated by, you know, revolutionaries. You know, as young kids might might well be. But part of that, as you said, was was the insistence on people or, um studying and having a clear. Understanding of society and what things we must do to alter society, and as you um, suggested, to offer something other than the, the typical liberal gloss over um, understanding of society.
4: Exactly, and see, and that's kind of the point because you know people often wonder how it is that black folks and brown folks can be wrapped up in these uh, in these conservative movements. And, you know, and they'll see people that, oh, you know, well, how could they do that? Because, you know, but the thing is, is that they, what they, what people fail to understand is that the political system that we are currently under does not, on its face, offer you the idea that there isn't, that there's a third way. So people who were raised with the liberal idea that if they support Democrats, that these, you know, that all these wonderful things are going to happen and they don't, then they can be, then they can be tempted by the more by the more ultra conservative side of what is already a seemingly conservative system, and tell them, well, you know those those Democrats are weak, and they can't offer you anything, so come over here and do that but then you and then they they go hard for this stuff, but it's I mean at the end of the day, like people are really looking for another way yes. and and so it, you know and so by omitting. What, by omitting the socialist and by the by omitting the socialist history that led the black panthers it's it's omitting the the strongest part uh, it's omitting the strongest part of what essentially was that what was the undercurrent of the of the civil rights revolution of the 60s you know it's like that how they can make a movie about some of it leave out Kwame Ture. you know or how they can they can you know or how they can make a movie about the black messiah but never once speak about socialism because they want you to see them as angry black men with a bone to pick and while that may be true on some point these were cats who were so committed to the cause such as huey p newton that you know that that his desire led him to speak to other people who who were doing something different, you know, they, you know, people don't realize that, you know, the, the, original, ca- the original cats were international, yes. you know, they were supporting Fidel you know, Castro, they were supporting Mao Zedong in a time, and like I said, even now, where we have liberal and conservative pundits telling us that China is the worst place in the world, and I'm not saying that they're perfect by any means, you know. But the thing is, is that we're not talking about how society is organized, and we don't talk about how American politics has become so has be, had became so prevalent and so pervasive over the last seventy five years that it seeped its way into other countries that were that had shed blood to get out of the capitalist way of life, in having to and having to. Change course just to be able to stay alive, so that a bunch of these, so that a bunch of these goons can go around and say, "Oh, look! Well, you know, they're not socials anymore because they got billionaires." And it's like, you know what I mean? It just sure. it sounds like you know, sort of self fulfilling prophecy. So I just, you know, I just so when we talk about Black Panthers, we talk about even Martin Luther King. If you want to get down to it, they, their undercurrent driving force was was social with socialism, socialist thought. You know the beloved community doesn't exist outside of socialist thought. Hey, thank you,
3: we, thank you, thank right. you so so much, Santiago, and thank you for raising um, the level of discussion this morning. I commend to you and and our other listeners a 1971 film um, called "The Murder of Fred Hampton," um, which is. Insightful and one in which you can get a a sense of of the person and the individual and, as um, Santiago was saying, the political and economic analysis of these young, urban um, revolutionaries. You are listening to more talk radio here on your community radio station KBOO.FM, 90.7 in Portland, 91.9 in Hood River, 104.3 in Corvallis, and via the World Wide Web it is. Uh, KBOO.FM. I'm Cecil Prescott. Our numbers here are 503 We began our morning conversation with just a reflection on today in history. I'm um, recalling uh, not only um, the start of the um, abolitionist journal newspaper, The North Star by Frederick Douglass in 1847, but also in 1969, the assassination of Fred Hampton by the Chicago police. Uh, we'll continue our discussion with some of your thoughts and some of your concerns. Our numbers here are 503 and if you would like to comment on, on some of those thoughts, um, please do so. I also want to just uh highlight a, a, a couple of other things and in, interested in your perspective. Uh Portland City Mayor, Ted Wheeler, has issued yet another um call for for workers to to return to work in this central core core of the city, um to go work downtown. Uh my question, has has that ship already sailed? Um, state employment record shows that about 7% of Oregon workers work remotely in 2019, 7%. In 2022, that figure sat at 19%. Um, they said, um, this. This uh, the state employment economist Gail Krumenauer said, we're coming down from that pandemic era peak, but still have a higher share of people typically working from home than we did before the pandemic recession. Um, overall, Oregon has tended to rank highly among states for the share of workers who are typically working from home. We rank fifth in 2019, and six in 2022. Now, the mayor is concerned about this. And, you know, here's the issue uh, a city, uh, a letter um, last week. I'll, I'll read part of it. And he said, you know, dear Portland Central City employers, thank you for your resilience and contribution to the city, and the revitalization of our city core is critical. Um, and it goes on to say, as you know, increased central city foot traffic is important. It create positive social pressure, spending at small businesses, support for culinary and h- hospitality industry, and how it's so important. The mayor continues in this letter by saying how the Portland Police Bureau ha- had, has added um, extra uh, p- patrols downtown um, to... Uh, to augment their work in, in cleaning up downtown. So uh, the mayor is calling for the all private sector employees, academic institutions, not-for-profit, and community-based organizations to follow the city's lead of at least 20 hours of in-person work per, year, per week by January 1st, 2024. So the mayor is calling for those who are working remotely um, come back downtown um, at least 20 hours in in person at work. Is that possible? Will that happen? Um, Have we... uh, ignore the fact that life has changed so much, not only in terms of what we think of employment and work and interaction, but how we engage. And perhaps it's time to think of different ways in which we might imagine how our cities might be and act like. Much like there was a a, a, a consistent cry to rethink of the way of cities a century ago. Perhaps it's a time, the call, the pandemic, calling us to rethink um, how we live and work in cities. What are some of your thoughts? Um, Are you working working, um, from home remotely? Is it possible for us to return to what life was four years ago in terms of... um, thousands of people downtown working, uh, crowded, uh, crowded streets during lunch hour, or are we headed towards what seems like a city where there are fewer people downtown? Interested in your thoughts and whether you think uh, Mayor Ted Wheeler's latest appeal to workers will work Will people go back to work? Will they go back to work downtown? Give us your call um, and your thoughts, 503-231-8187. And also, what will you get for Christmas now? The mere issue an appeal for people to return to work downtown and also that's related to the desire for um, shopping and all of that, which is sort of like a contradiction to the analysis we began with uh, about capitalism, but we'll put that aside. There's a desire to to people to, to go downtown and to shop and... Uh, so much right now in terms of of Christmas and what's the importance of Christmas and so my question for you is what would you get for Christmas and who deserves presents and who did not now some of you might be familiar with uh, with a tradition um and that began you know many many years ago and, in a different era about uh, what you will get for, for Christmas. Uh, will you get coal, a lump of coal that began in, in a different era? Um, but are there some employers? Are there some individuals? Are there some politicians who deserve not a present that they would like? the a present that they deserve, a lump of coal. So, on Christmas morning, or any day, who do you think deserves to be critiqued? We talked earlier about the mayor and his call for workers to return to working downtown. Uh, What are some of your thoughts of either elected politicians? It might be city councilpersons, county commissioners, those who are elected to state offices. Um, Are they doing a good job? Will they be commended? Or will they be condemned? Sounds like too strong of a word. But will they be criticized for this year. Looking over the year, are there certain individuals um, that you want to highlight for doing a great job? Or are there individuals you want to note for doing not such a good job? Um, Give us a call and share your thoughts. 503-231-8187 You may not know that you are a uh, gift giver but you may be so are you going to give gifts of nice persons or things you may not like let's hear what you have to think what you have to say and we will go to our next caller Ed good morning Ed how are you
1: good morning I'm doing wonderful I just heard your comment about coal, and I had to chime in on that one just a little bit because we all think of it as a negative thing to get a lump of coal in your stocking, but mm. when that actually started, it was a very positive thing. It was something that was given to the kids to keep, help keep them warm at night, because mm-hmm. we heated our houses on coal. And I think a lump of coal would be far more than politicians deserve.
3: Oh, <laughs> okay. Ah. Uh. Far more, Um, okay, well, thank you. The other thing that Uh I wanted
1: to talk about real quick was words and their meaning. Mm -hmm. Words, definitions change based on time and people's comprehension of them, and the word socialism and socialist has become a very negative connotation when people hear it because it's been perverted. But mm-hmm. socialist and socialism has much more to do with social and our personal and togetherness and how we take care of each other more than it does this political or governmental-type situation. And it's we, the people, that have to gather and create that social environment.
3: Hmm. Say something more about about the use of word and how people might, uh, I don't Readapt okay. or or grab onto that. One of the things
1: that really has become changed in the way people perceive it is to take advantage of something. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, go, oh, don't take advantage of that. And I'm like, well, no, that's that's very incorrect. You you want to take full advantage of all the opportunities and all the benefits that you possibly can take advantage of not a negative thing to take advantage of something. It's a negative thing to abuse the advantage of something. Oh. So to abuse the advantage of the social security network would be a negative thing, but to take advantage of it would be very positive.
3: Right, right. And
1: these are the types of places where, you know, people's understandings of words and what they mean and the social malfeasance of these words, let's say, has become like... Oh, leftist, rightist, it's it's well, conservative isn't necessarily a bad thing, it's the negative attributes that are attributed to the conservative movement that give it a negative connotation. To be conservative with your your resources is a very good thing in most yeah. situations.
3: Well I but I, I wonder as, as you raise these important point is how Careful are we with the with choosing the words we use and how deliberate are we um and careful in using words and being being deliberate rather than just tossing out words that say leftist or or commie or or fascist. Uh, but I think there's more we, we can do as as you saying.
1: Yes, and being deliberate and using the words properly is definitely a very important thing. And to reject the negative connotations given to the words based on people's ideologies. Mm -hmm. But it goes back to what I said before. It's critical thinking. All right. And being conscious. Thank you. I appreciate you.
3: Thank you so much, Ed. And thank you for... Reminding us the importance of critical thinking and being precise with the words we use, and and giving us a little lesson on coal. Um, I want to okay. add more to that about the you know these traditions and where they they come from. Um, The concept, and this is something I saw on the web, uh, the concept of naughty children receiving unwelcome Christmas presents is not strictly an American invention. Other cultures have similar traditions. And Italian children know la la bifana, the the Christmas witch, leaves toys and candy for good children while bad children get lumps of coal. Misbehaving Dutch and German children are warned of the Krampus, a scary sort of anti-Santus uh, who leaves coals for Christmas instead of presents. Now, this may go a little bit different than Ed suggested in terms of lump of coals. You know, we might want those to to keep warm. But for many of these people, it uh, wasn't used as a present that people welcome but as a critique oh well
1: these days it could be associated with socks say that again these days we could associate the same concept with socks when all the kid got was socks
3: oh yes yes (laughs) right
1: that's all you got in your stocking were socks and you'd be like but at least it was something comfortable and warm to keep you nice and comfortable through the rest of the winter
3: I know but you know a pair of socks, <laughs> right? Okay, be practical. Thank you. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, well, I love these days, but as a kid, it wasn't necessarily the most welcome thing.
3: <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for your wisdom. And enjoy, enjoy your lumps of coal and your socks. I appreciate you. Have a beautiful day. <laughs> you as well. You're listening to More Talk Radio here on your community radio station, KBOO.FM. dot F M. I'm Cecil Prescott and you are you. And our numbers here are five zero three two three one eight one eight seven. We began this morning by by just reviewing um today in history. Um recalling um the work of Frederick Douglass in the North Star, um and also remembering um, the legacy and work and revolutionary life of Fred Hampton and and the his assassination by Chicago police in 1969 um, as well as some discussion with uh, some callers about um, who deserved to be honored or not honored and some thoughts about where we go. Give us your thoughts 503-231-8187 and let's go to our next caller. Good morning, Ross. How are you?
2: I'm uh, I'm well, thank you. I'm enjoying the program this morning as as as, as usual. Um, I have a couple of things I wanted to share, but the the very first thing I wanted to share is um some good luck. You know, I um I have to thank Paul Rowland, who does the um, uh talk show. Mm-hmm. He had he 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 had a wonderful guest on, uh, David Lewis, uh, who has recently and just this year published a wonderful book, Tribal Histories of the Willamette Valley. Yes. And and so I, I I signed up and um gave an extra dime to Kebu and yes. and sure enough it arrived here and I'm reading the book and it is it is such it is it it, it, it it's so uh eye opening and uh to to see uh, this, this people talked about in such concrete terms. Mm-hmm. Now it is a very sad history. Um I'm beginning to think that our whole history is a, terror, is a trail of tears, but at any rate, I want to thank him and I want to recommend the book. Say, um, say,
3: say, um, give us the title of the book again.
2: Tribal Histories of the Willamette Valley.
3: Yeah. So, and, and the so, author is David Lewis.
2: And the author is is David Lewis. Yes. 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 Now, <clears throat> now the um, uh, the. Um, the thing that stimulated me to call uh, was to talk about the uh, the old days, uh, the, the Black Panthers, and uh, so on and so forth, and and uh, <clears throat> and um, you know I could, couldn't help but be be uh, transported back to those days um, be, because I'm 81 years old, so you can imagine I couldn't go back that far um i guess I started the sixties because i graduated from high school in nineteen sixty in 1960. Uh-huh. but uh the the some a tone a tone creeps into uh, the discussion that dis that alarms me and that is the 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 um a, a, a desire a, a apparent desire to romanticize um mm. uh, one or a num- number of the the groups that were active in those in those times. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's just so many so many groups, but the, the the biggest thing, the biggest thing of all, is to know that we, we failed. We, we could have done so much more, and um, we realize, especially mm-hmm. the, the the war in Vietnam we we had in 1971 we had the largest demonstration ever and we actually shut down washington dc i mean it did not run um thousands were arrested and guess what uh and nixon resigned and um so, and so um, well, i mean John,
3: so so so
2: so did we fail we, yes we did we failed we failed. The, the, the war didn't end in, 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 until 1975, and between the time of 1971, when we had the biggest demonstrations in the world, we, we it, a, a, a couple of million people were killed in in Cambodia. Well, they well, well.
3: To, well certain, certain, certainly, um the war we, didn't did did not end as quickly as we no. wanted it to, and certainly there's more that we could have done but it might be argued um, that those people, you know, the thousands of people who were arrested altered the direction of, of history, maybe not as quickly that they had wanted or in the exact direction, but something changed. Um, and um, certainly people such as yourselves um, impacted um uh, um, your communities and ways that that continues to resonate. Um,
2: you know, I'm confusing the times, perhaps, but um, my mind is getting a little foggy. Okay. But we um, we 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 left the time and Nixon uh, resigned. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, uh, Johnson, Johnson resigned, uh, and that was followed by. What what? It, Hubert Humphrey was defeated. Hubert Humphrey was a peace candidate and a great defender of civil rights, but he was defeated. Well, let's and yeah, and and we and when we got John and we got Nixon. Think of that—the anti-war movement. We managed to get rid of Johnson. We used to say, "LBJ, how many kids did you kill today?" Right. Uh, and, and
3: and well let's and, let's i I think I understand your point, and let's hear some other people respond okay. to it, whether or not it was the anti war um and revolutionary people failed or succeeded or not
2: um, well I just would say one thing, and that is many of us were romantic then too and mm. we we could demonstrate in the, in the streets but we didn't bother to go to and knock on doors and elect uh, Hubert Humphrey
3: <laughs> all right well, thank you okay. thank, thank you so much and I think one thing I got I, I got. Back. Thank you so much. I think one thing I got from your conversation um was a point is that the tendency to romanticize the past or groups in the past, and I hope um we have a clear analysis of of that and do not fall into that that pattern of not seeing clearly things that were um certainly uh, Fred Hampton and the Panthers were revolutionaries. They had their faults and their failures. But, um, Ross, I think you and those other people push us forward in a way, maybe not as quickly as we wanted to uh, or exactly how we wanted, it, but I think we, we bent, the, bent history just a little bit. Let's hear what Mark has to say.
0: Good good morning. Good morning. Uh, You know, it was Albert Einstein who said, the one thing we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. Wow. Um, I I remember years ago, Joe Uris had an interview with Richard Pearl. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: You know, he was a a, a neocon, and and, uh, Joe asked him what solidarity means. And uh, Richard Pearl said, "Solidarity means agreeing with us." <laughs> I guess that's uh, right. It seems like there there are many people who are I think are drunk on a, on a very false uh, um, egocentric view of of the United States uh, who who kind of identify history with the united states right. and who always see america as the good you know we are the good and 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 the the, and the other is the evil yes. um i i appreciate the conversation very much and i'm all, i'm hoping always to 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 see the positive hmm. um i'm i'm very uh, disappointed by the corporate media that never mentions Canada and never mentions anything good about China. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we enjoy these smartphones and the Chinese people make them, they, they earn almost nothing. I, I'm, I'm very uh, depressed about Russophobia and how even the Democrats for years just uh, demean, denounce Russia, and um, even though Russia only has one military base in Syria, while we have over eight hundred.
3: How do you think um, we can uh, move people to to be able to see things and and articulate things, such as as you have done, just really brief this morning, to. Open our eyes to see that the United States is not the, the what, pil- what, Go What ahead.
0: what lessons do we do we learn from Vietnam where three million Vietnamese died? Where where we dropped seven point seven million tons of bombs on that little country? What what lessons do, do we learn from Iraq? And the um and from, who, from who? and from afghanistan where we spent 2.2 trillion dollars in 20 years making the rubble bounce as so but so so,
3: so 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 I want you to respond to that the question you asked what lessons do we learn
0: well we, we learned that uh, that maybe retired generals are uh, making uh, foreign policy And irrespective of uh, the real security uh, needs, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in 1934, said that um, peace is not possible on the way of security, that peace is a risk, it's an adventure. Um, Well, I I don't know how you can make our our society dynamic without... uh, an expanded uh, journalism without a Marshall Plan for journalism, so that uh, minorities can can be involved, can participate. Right now, we we have a, an elite democracy. We have a system uh, where five or six companies dominate publishing and broadcasting, and I, I think that has to change. I think uh, a Marshall Plan for journalism. So
3: how how might that Look like what would that look like
0: well you it, it has to be organized by progressive foundations and philanthropists it can't be organized by the government um,
3: okay that's
0: so so I mean to me uh, it, we we have to discuss this uh, and uh, it's it's really a form of qualitative growth in other words we we uh, we leave the extractive economy, we leave the quantitative, the consumer economy, and, and actually the businesses are closing now, you know, Amazon is taking over, uh, so it might be easier, you know, to, uh, for, for all of us to become uh, writers and poets and editors.
3: Okay. <laughs> Okay. Thank you. Hey, thank you, thank you so so much, and thank you for that call for the Marshall Plan, uh, for journalists, for writers, and uh, let's go and and write some some grants so that that it can be made possible. In the meantime, if you want to practice journalism or learn more about journalism, here, right here, on your community radio station. <gasps> Your community radio station, because I correct me if I'm wrong, like eighty percent of the of the funding comes from listeners of of this radio station, and there are opportunities here on your community radio station to learn about um, what it means to make exciting radio and to create the change. So find out more, and such as. Uh, call it suggested in terms of a Marshall Plan for journalists. It may not be a Marshall Plan, but, you know, an uh, Oregon-sized Marshall Plan here on KBOO, your community radio station. I'm Cecil Prescott. We have a few minutes left, and uh, I want to hear what your thoughts are. of Our numbers are 503 Two three one eight one eight seven. Uh, you know, I began our conversation this morning by talking about Frederick Douglass, Fred Hampton, about revolutionaries and what is possible and what we can do. Uh, Fred Hampton said, "You can jail a revolutionary, but you cannot jail a revolution." Um, one of our callers. Uh, um, reminded us of the tendency to romanticize the past um, and not be aware of things as they actually were or recognize the things that we can do to may improve things. That's important um, to have a, a clear vision of the way things were and, and be able to to offer different ways of changing our world. Our conversations this morning, whether it has been with um, um older revolutionaries as as um, Ross um, suggested earlier in terms of giving us his analysis of the last fifty years or so and the failures of of liberation uh, movements in the United States and in perhaps in the world to to move us. Uh, but also we heard the, the, for me at least, the, the words of the interpretation of a younger generation of, of uh, earlier caller, uh, Santiago, who certainly has an analysis and, and the importance of, of being more than just carried away with, with passion, but, but to have a clear, deliberate um, social and economic an analysis of a society to move us forward. So all may not be lost. There is possibility um, for possibility for change and revolution. And that is what I think is important, not to look look at things with, with eyes which are, are unable to see things as they were, but with eyes to be able to see things that others aren't able to see. Uh, a caller mentioned a book um, um, that was mentioned last week on Paul Rowland's program and the author David Lewis who reveals reveals for most readers uh, the stories of people who actually lived here in this region. The stories we do not get. It isn't as if um, those stories... Do not exist or they are not told but we have to go to the sources and to the communities and hear those stories and therefore um, listen and they'll begin to create a future for for all of us a lot of work we have to do first to do some studying and then we can move on um, but don't give don't give up hope because you know uh, you want to to be uh have the good the good list and you don't want uh colds, uh the fear of of christmas coals uh fake coals and you know uh, i could sort of like expand this conversation you know there's 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 the there's the discussion right now on 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 the 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 cop twenty eight right now um, talking about about the world and energy and resources and what we have left. and yeah, but that's a lot to talk about. Um, but to summarize, uh, I think a, a point that I made earlier is that there is a possibility. There continues to be a possibility. of people, Um, beginning to make change wherever they are whether it was a formerly enslaved person such as Frederick Douglass who by all consideration did not, could not, would not um, should not have succeeded um, to be a revolutionary to advocate for, for radical change and but that was possible, and so this formerly enslaved person in 1847 began an abolitionist newspaper. That's revolution, and that is an example of what is possible. Or we can think of people such as Fred Hampton, 21 years old, and 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 listen to his speeches. Listen to his analysis as a as caller mentioned earlier, in terms of a social, political, and economic analysis of our society, a critical way of viewing things. 21 years old and had such a sophisticated analysis of our society and able to create to be a part of the social movements that Ross alluded to in his conversation of pulling people of all sectors of life, moving them forward. Change is possible, and indeed it will be possible if we continue to do the hard work and not give up. Um, So 50 years from now, when they say this day in history, when your grandchildren or uh, great-grandchildren would say, this day in history. What was important about December 4th, uh, 2023? Many people might say, uh, it is something that you did or you do. And... And... Uh, I I have to look for, our engineer just reminded me of an announcement we need to make, and I have to find it, and my phone is so small, so, uh, let me see if I can find it in, Celeste, okay, Celeste, who's not here but wants us to know that there's a public meeting that will be held today regarding a proposed code package establishing community-led police accountability system. The city attorney's office, in collaboration with council staff, will host a public meeting to discuss the proposed code with the former members of the Police Accountability Commission, This will be at 5.30 to 8.30 today at the Portland Building, Room 108 of the Portland Building. And uh, so, uh, if you are able, uh, participate in this this gathering. uh, Members of the public are invited to provide input because, yeah, they need to hear from us. (laughs) Another <laughs> good thing on December 4th. Yes, yes. So, so yeah, 50 years from now, people say, what happened on December 4th? We can say, who knows, like dozens of people testified at this that, that altered the arc of history in Portland that made uh, police accountability a possibility. Oh, my gosh. Maybe we can look back. On this day and say this was the day that we noticed a change, a change. it seems small, but as we look over the the, the wider picture, we notice the arc towards started to bend towards justice. Well, wow. thank you so much for being a part of your community and doing all that you do and enabling, others to do what they can do, and for being a part of KBOO. For all of you who are members who help make this possible, volunteers, um, contributors, uh, um, those who make programs, this is possible because we are able to work together. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your work. Stay tuned and stay engaged. Um, For those of you who are listening live, stay tuned for the Old mole Variety Hour. And we, Celeste and I, will be back with you next week. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and continue to work for great change. I'm Cecil Prescott. Have a good day. into listener-supported Community Radio KBOO Portland KBOO Community Radio is a proud co-sponsor of the Portland Folk Music Society Concert Series continuing on Saturday, December 9th at 7.30pm at the Reedwood Friends Church in Portland December's live concert features one of the leading voices in contemporary folk and Americana Amy Spies. Again, that's the Portland Folk Music Society Concert Series. Saturday, December 9th at 7.30 p.m. at the Reedwood Friends Church on Southeast Steel Street in Portland. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events.
0: Kboo Community Radio.